0: Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game.
1: And hi again, everybody. The week before the Super Bowl madness really sort of gets underway, we talk about basketball. More specifically, we get into the Golden State Warriors, and welcome once again to Warriors this week. Alongside Evan Giddings, this is Dan Devone for another week that was, and for the Warriors... A bit of optimism as they end the week with two wins in a row. They begin the five-game roadie with a convincing win over the Memphis Grizzlies last night, winning it by twenty-one twenty-one 121-101 was the final score, and the 101 is somewhat significant, in the Warriors keeping a team right around the century mark for a Warrior squad that has not been very good defensively this year. Ev, what's going on? How'd you see things last night, and how are you?
0: Sorry about that, Dan. First of all, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, Running the board and taking calls here today, so appreciate anyone that's chiming in. I'll be talking to you at 888-957-9570, but I don't feel like it's in a place right now where you can't look at this week as optimistic, because it's a brand new starting five. It's a brand new week. Of course, coming off of tragedy a couple of weeks ago, the Warriors are in a position to where right before the deadline, they got a lot of things to figure out, and Dan, the thing that I've most been impressed with this week is the stability and, more importantly, maybe the consistency from the starting five. That's something that the Warriors have really been searching for all season. And for perhaps the first time over an extended week, we've seen the same five or the same rotation of five players. I guess Pajemski started on Tuesday for Clay Thompson, who was ill but we've seen the same starting five roll out there and give you the same type of production for now three straight games. Even though they lost to the Lakers, it was double overtime thriller, <laughs> you, saw, you saw consistency, and that's something that the Warriors have been missing really the entire year, and a big reason has been because of Draymond Green's personal actions, but also just because you don't know what you were getting from Andrew Wiggins. Jonathan Kaminga hadn't gotten to the point where he was getting 30 minutes or more consistently every single night, and even someone like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson had had they're shooting up and down. So right now, I think you got to be excited about what the Warriors are at, especially before the trade deadline, because where it looked like there were tons of questions when we last spoke, maybe last weekend or even the weekend before, there seems to be much fewer questions about how the Warriors are going to upgrade or if they're going to upgrade now, a week later.
1: There's still some questions that remain, but you're right. They have been significantly reduced. And I think just to stay with that, Ev, it looks as though, For the first time this year that the Golden State Warriors have an identity, dare I say. I think throughout this entire year, we were saying, okay, who's going to be the number two to Steph Curry? Well, to me, if you still need that, you know, that question answered, then you haven't watched Jonathan Kamika play basketball over the last month. (laughs) The question about Draymond Green, uh, will he or won't he, is he going to be available? As long as Draymond Green is on the floor, And as long as Draymond Green is keeping his hands in his pockets, as I like to say, (laughs) I think he really solidifies everything. And he is the perfect piece now to unlock what is, I think, their best starting unit. And I think you'd agree with me. That is a front line of Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Gaminga, and our new center by the name of Draymond Green Mm -hmm. to go along with the Splash Brothers. I do, however, uh, and I'll get into it a little bit later, I like the starting lineup, although I would like to see a change. But when you talk about this starting lineup going forward, is this their new identity? Is this the best chance they have of making, not only getting to the playoffs, but potentially making a run?
0: It is. And I think quietly, you touched on the biggest part of it. Yes, Kaminga emerging as a secondary option has been huge, and we can spend as much time as you want on Kaminga because he looks like he is emerging as someone who's arrived at just the age of 21, which is so impressive and, honestly, it, it, great to see. But Draymond Green glues this thing all mm. together. And, quietly, he, it, this is the way it's always been, right? I mean, when you think about the dynastic Golden State Warriors, when they were winning titles, and even a couple of years ago when they won their title, who was at the five? In the playoffs, in those deep postseason runs, in the seven-game series, whether they were drubbing opponents, whether they were into seven-game matchups, whether they were winning titles, whether they were falling short, Draymond Green, in the biggest of moments, plays at the center position. Maybe outside of the 2015 season, because Andrew Boga was there. But when the Warriors have been at their best, they've gone small. And Draymond Green has been the starting five for those teams, and now for this team. So the fact that he's able to, number one, be back in the rotation, is certainly an addition. Number two has been keeping his hands in his pockets, like you like to say, and number three, has been able to extract the best out of both Kaminga as well as Wiggins, to me is the reason why I have faith that this could potentially be a turning point in the season. You still got to see it, right? They got a game tonight against Atlanta. Obviously, that's a team you should beat. If you don't, we're back here to square one. On Monday, that's a beatable Brooklyn team. This is a road trip, and no five-game roadies easy necessarily, but you got winnable games coming up, and so I'm excited to see how this starting five gets tested against three opponents in four nights because I maybe have one concern about Draymond Green in the starting five, but overall, Dan, the numbers are really hard to argue with, and they've been more efficient, they've been playing faster, more importantly, and they've been better defensively. So Draymond Green at the five gives the Warriors their best chance.
1: Yeah, I think he's like a plus 75, I want to say, since he returned to the Mm -hmm. lineup. And you just hit it. Defense. It's not coincidental that the Golden State Warriors, one of the things that has plagued them throughout this entire season is the fact that they don't play defense in one of the worst teams defensively. Well, here comes the man that is clearly their best defender, uh, arguably one of the best to ever do it. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame because of his defensive presence. He's a, a former DPOY And they get better defensively. And that's the cause and effect of one Draymond Green. And yes, uh, I think that we both agreed, and we said this while he was out, that he is their second-best player Mm -hmm. next to that of of Steph Curry. And so now with his return to the lineup, the Golden State Warriors become much, much more formidable. You talked about how the schedule now uh, gets a little bit easier as they're going to take on Atlanta than Brooklyn winnable games, quote-unquote. Well, the Golden State Warriors have this coming to them because keep in mind they have, and this is you know statistically supported. They have had the toughest schedule to date, so now they have one of the easiest. And we've we've also talked about this that when you're looking for some level of optimism for you you fans out there in Dub Nation, I think a it's the strength of schedule or the lack thereof is there. They don't have to take on necessarily the best the NBA has to offer on a nightly basis, which was pretty much the majority of the season up to this point. Yeah. And secondly, at some point the law of averages have to sort of fall your way. If you play cards and you go to Vegas and you play a little poker, you sit down, if you got issues and you're you're betting the kids' college tuition, you know, you know what it is that I'm talking about. If you sit there and you play long enough, those cards will turn. They will fall your way. So I just think it's a matter of time. We did a show last week, Ev, right on the heels of that Sacramento one point loss. We're like, well, this can't happen again. Yeah. Like, you know, and you said, well, you know, there's a good chance it's going down to the nub again tonight against the Lakers. And voila, sure enough. (laughs) So I just think that, you know, the Warriors, a lot of those games could have gone either way. I I think, you know, just proverbially, the ball's going to bounce their way. And I think that the Golden State Warriors, the the glass is definitely half full when you think about them and what the remaining thirty eight games of the season. Now with Draymond back, and now with some of those intangible pieces like the the scheduling, as well as it just cannot continue at this same level of you guys losing these close games in games that could have gone either way.
0: Yeah, they probably had six or seven games this season that you could pull from and say well you should have been able to either hold a lead or a one point defeat that you flip a coin and you're on the right side of and that that Lakers game for example was first of all is one of the best games that I've ever seen live but secondly every time the other team was dead the opposite team pulled right back into it to the point where once Curry hit that shot and I was back to oh my gosh in double overtime the the Warriors is going to somehow find a way to win this game And then, of course, LeBron gets to the free throw line, and it's back to, oh, I guess the Lakers are going to win. Like Those games that the Warriors have been in all season long, you'd think at some point would fall towards the 500 mark. So that should make you feel better. But also your point, too, about the schedule softening is absolutely correct. I mean, they played the toughest schedule in the league, strength of schedule to this point. And so you're naturally going to have a little more cupcakes on the schedule. Now, the question is, at three games below 500, you know, are you perceived as a cupcake? Are you perceived as one of those beatable opponents that's under 500? And how are you able to take care of business against teams that are right now in your own category, that are in your tier? I would say Atlanta probably looks at the Warriors as, you know, a dangerous team that's playing better, but they're not looking at them like they're looking at the Boston Celtics, although I guess they've lost three in a row at home. But, like, you're not looking at them like one of the top teams in the West that's coming into your house and, oh, you know, we got to play our A game. Like, you... the approach that I think a lot of teams have had against the Warriors, and maybe it's why you see them playing better in those clutch moments, is there's finally blood in the water for this dynasty, right? They're, they're more feeble than they've ever been, or they're perceived to be weaker than they've ever been since they started winning championships. And so they're getting their best punch, but also teams are not afraid that the big moment is all of a sudden gonna swing in the favor of Golden State. Because a lot of times in, in past years, it wasn't a matter of if, it was just when the Warriors were gonna, either boat race an opponent or come out on top in a clutch moment. Now it's almost you're wondering, like, well, how come they can't win a close game? Like, what happened to the clutch Warriors? What happened to the the clutch clients? You know, Draymond Green, and I guess Moses Moody, hopefully, is going to be back today as well off off the cap strain. So, you know, the Warriors, I think, are in a position where they're trying to sort of rewrite the narrative about them. And you also touched on something off the top I think is really important, reclaiming their identity, because we couldn't tell you as the listeners, who this team was for the first 40 games of the season. It's finally looking like they have a set hierarchy, and that I'm sure will make things easier, yes, to win basketball games, but also easier for someone like Steve Kerr in trying to figure out who needs to play and when.
1: So the Warriors are kind of like Tiger Woods post-2012. <laughs> Tiger prior to that, if he was in the hunt on a Sunday, everybody in front of him were just looking over their shoulder like exactly oh, it's Tiger Woods. And all of a sudden Here he, he became fallible. And then it was, you know, whether it was Rory McIlroy or one of the kids just, you know, looked him in the eye and said, you ain't so bad. I can take you. I mean, the the image, you know, dissipated to a certain degree. So, yeah, I could see that. I I would, however, say that when it comes to the Warriors, as long as Steph is still Steph, as long as Clay is still rolled out there and Draymond is still barking at everybody, I still think that there's an asterisk next to their name when they come to town. Mm. That I still think that teams that there's an extra sense of motivation. I mean, it's the Warriors. It's probably for a lot of teams. I don't know how many games Atlanta is sold out for, but I'm willing to bet that it's going to be near capacity simply because Steph and company are coming to town, and it's the Golden State Warriors, and I think that sort of trickles down to the players that, you know, this is one of those teams. It's the Warriors, man. We want to We want to play our best basketball. Let's go ahead and beat these guys. You know, they're sort of synonymous with this modern-day run. Getting back to the Los Angeles Lakers before we move on, it's interesting you were there because I, I, I want to pick your brain about the contest. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I was handling the post-game show right here on 95.7 The Game. Draymond Green, as before we anoint him as, well, Draymond's this changed man because I've maintained all along. <laughs> he ain't changed. <laughs> He's the same dude. Yeah, Draymond Green validated. What was the over and under we had? Like four games before he becomes Draymond? Mm-hmm. He's back. And... You don't have to look any further than that Laker game because if you happen to see it, he went after Anthony Davis and he swung and nailed him right in the grill. It was vintage Draymond Green. And then he went after Vanderbilt saying, yeah, go ahead and replay. Go ahead and look at the video replay. Yeah, he was lathered up and he was throwing blows once again. Now, he didn't get nailed for it. But as far as Draymond Green being back, as far as Draymond Green being this changed man, uh-uh, not Biden. I think he's the same old Draymond.
0: No, it's funny because I think the discourse on social media after the game was, it, because of Steve Kerr's comments, right? Like, oh, well, I'm not going to talk about the the free throw discrepancy, 43-16, to or I think it was Steph shooting three free throws or whatever it was. My, my thing was like, well, I don't know where, where the discourse is at about Draymond Green. I mean, this guy might have got away with one. And that was huge because, again, it's like, if he gets hit again, he going to be gone. That's right. He ain't going to be here. So the fact that they got away with one because I think even the pool report came out the day after and said like that should have been a flagrant 1. Um so you start tallying points and he I don't think he would have been ejected for that swing. But again, once those flagrant points begin to pile up, he's pretty damn close each time that he gets a flagrant 2 or he accumulates those points, uh, he will miss a game because of how many flagrant points he's already accumulated to this point in the season. So you're right, Draymond Green's not a different man, but I also think that's probably why we're starting to see this new version of the Warriors, because... In a way, Dan, yes, you want him to clean up his act and not be the the violent, vicious Draymond that kind of doesn't know where his limbs are going and is swinging and hitting people in the groin and face. (laughs) But you also don't want Draymond to be a different player. I mean, that's why he's so good or why he's provided such a punch to this starting lineup. It's because he is the same Draymond and throughout the show we can dig in some of the numbers I've just been looking at over the last six games okay how is this team really different how they've been defensively have they been pushing the pace all of these things the eye test and what you've been watching is confirmed by the numbers and so for me Draymond Green I don't want him to be different but I do want him to maybe be a little more aware you just can't lose him. Yeah, We talked about how
1: significant, and it's not coincidental that with his return, the Warriors are suddenly better defensively, and they're just a better basketball team. And how he works with the younger players, Jonathan Kaminga, as well as Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you see all of those players. I saw Trace Jackson Davis literally, during a free throw after he committed a foul, just run over. Uh, from one end of the court to the other, not to talk to Steve Kerr during the free throws, but rather to have a conversation with Draymond Green, (laughs) who is sort of this player-coach. Yeah, don't don't misinterpret. I have no issue with the way he plays basketball right now. I'm one of those that... Listen, I hope he changes, but I've, I've always said this, that we're all trying to get better as human beings. We all have our issues. But if he's dealing with rage or what have you, it takes much longer than a couple of weeks or a month for him to yeah. return to a basketball team to address and actually fix those problems. And it was on complete display. He was in that rage moment, and there was – no therapist that he can call, no meditation on his app that he can call a timeout and get into. No, he was being Draymond, but they need that Draymond, and that's just the high wire act. I think you're going to walk with him from this point forward.
0: Yeah, I think it was Bob Myers last year. We were at Chase Center, and we were doing this interview with with Bob Myers, and he used a water bottle as an example of a way to describe how Draymond Green is the high wire act you're talking about, basically. This water bottle I'm holding my hand, you can see on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, sits at the edge of a table. (laughs) And that water bottle, if you fill it up a little bit too much and push it, begins to tip over the table, boom, there it goes. But when it's just sitting on the table, it's straight up, it's full, it's powerful, and that's what Draymond Green is, right? He sits at the edge of the table, he is a habitual line stepper, and... That's exactly what the Warriors kind of need from him. I mean, when he plays with that fire and he's able to channel it in the right directions, they're not as unbeatable as they used to be, but they're absolutely the best version of themselves. And so that's what's been most frustrating for me, Dan, about the suspensions and about, I guess, the the actions on the court. Because, again, it's not like he's a, some problem child away from the basketball court. He just can't seem to keep his hands off other people. So this season, when he's been suspended, the biggest reason that I've been pissed at him is because well number 1 you just signed a big contract and there's I'm sure was an implicit uh, you know understanding that these actions cannot continue and they did with frequency but you just hurt the basketball team because you are one of the mainstays and one of the reasons why the Warriors can play at an elite level at times Defensively, offensively, he, un- he unlocks so much. He can glue different pieces together. He's a connector in the best kind of ways. And so that's not an excuse for him getting himself suspended and missing 20 plus games. But that's what pissed me off the most is like, you don't give your chance, you don't give your team the best chance to win because you being on the floor elevates them to a different level. And so I felt like it was selfish in his actions. Yes, because He's doing things and he's not really thinking about the, the repercussions, but also he's hurting everyone around him. And as much as he will come out and say I'm sorry, and you know he's introspective and he makes it about him, that all doesn't really matter if you fall right back into those actions that you were, uh, you know, essentially getting wrapped up in before. So is Draymond Green a changed man? I'm not so sure. Is he helping the Warriors play much better? I think that's the key, and I wonder how people feel about it at eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero because Draymond makes this team better, but I don't necessarily think he's different.
1: One of the things we do not talk enough about, and maybe because it's not happening to the starters and we don't want to provide excuses, and maybe it's you know, it's a testament to their depth, but the injuries now are beginning to take their toll. Dario Saric was out last night to go along with Moses Moody with the strained calf era. Is it this Hammy? or The calf, strained calf, I believe, with Moses Moody? Yeah,
0: so CP3, GP2, Moses GP2. Moody is going to be back soon, hopefully. I, ideally, it could come as early as today, uh, but you're right, because we saw Guy Santos in the first minutes. Which is what <laughs> I wanted quarter. to
1: talk about. Now, listen... Steve Kerr, if you listen to the show long enough, I you know will not go after this man. Well, begrudgingly I will, but he's a head coach, and we do a Warriors this week, and anytime you're doing uh, a preview or review show of any basketball team, football team, or professional sports, you know, the coach from time to time is going to walk into the, the crosshairs. And I just – I know that, you know, Guy Santos with the absence of Dario Saric makes a little bit more sense because he's thinking about spacing the floor – He's another big. They're more similar in their style of play. Uh, I get it; it makes sense. Uh, but I guess if there's one issue that I have in a bone to pick with Steve Kerr is that sometimes he just he wants to play within the structure of this, you know, this little handbook. That okay, well, this player's, you know, they, they play similarly, so I'm obviously going to give him some run. Same thing, I think, with Chris Paul. Oh, Chris Paul's out. I need a point guard. Corey Joseph's going to get run. Where am I going with all of this? Is that, yeah, Guy Santos spaces the floor more so than that of Trace Jackson Davis. Mm. He plays similarly like that of Dario Saric. Maybe he doesn't shoot it like Dario, but I want to see Trace Jackson Davis there. I think this gets back to letting the kids get reps, letting the kids who have the potential uh, recognize that potential, expedite their growth, because that's who you're investing in. No offense to Guy Santos. But that to me is not the future when you're putting him side by side without a Trace Jackson Davis. I want to see Trace Jackson Davis get a start. Now, I know again, you know, they'll tell you, or Steve Kerr, the experts, or the people in the quote unquote know will say, well, it's Trace Jackson Davis gives you, you know, vertical spacing and he's a pick and roll and plays in the dunker (laughs) spot. It's not the same as Guy Santos, who's more similar to Dario Sarge. That's when I think you're overthinking it. Just get him in there. He's a big. And he can help you, and it's just going to benefit your cause, I think, going forward. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I wonder if the non-usage of TJD, and I don't want to make it just about him. I mean, he got nine minutes last night. It's not like Kevon Looney played a lot more. He got 11 minutes. Um, Although offensively, he was least effective and could finish around the rim. He scored all of his baskets. But I, I just wonder if it's a larger philosophical approach from Kerr and the Warriors, that they're kind of just getting back to small ball. Now, my biggest question is, is that sustainable, especially in a postseason series where you're probably going to have to go through a Western conference because at this point, Dan, I I don't know if the sixth seed is necessarily out of reach. Like obviously if you get hot and you rattle off, you know, 15 of 18, you might be able to get back in that conversation, but I'm not as optimistic about that. To me, I think the goal right now for the Warriors is to essentially replicate what the Miami Heat did last year, get in, win through the playing tournament or the Lakers and become a, well, Become a dangerous eighth seed though. Like, and you're right. Yeah. The Lakers made it to the Western Conference Finals. I think as a seven seed, the Heat got to the finals as an eighth seed. But yeah, that, that's, that's the model at this point. Try and be a dark horse. Try and be a dangerous team. And I wonder if small ball in the long run is going to be the path to do that. Like, I think that they can play well against these bottom feeders and they should be able to beat Memphis. They should be able to beat Atlanta tonight by playing the way that they have with that starting lineup, but when you get into those opponents that have more of the the trees and the towers are you gonna need some more size and does that mean it is Kavon looney does that mean it is Tjd so it is much for me Dan about yes I want to advance the the young players and get this some more reps but I also want to see if this team can play bigger because they really can't get any smaller right now even though I think this is their best starting and as well as closing five
1: I would agree with you I think personally, small ball is done. I think if you look around the landscape of the NBA, nobody's small, nobody's small any anymore, aside from that of the Golden State Warriors. And if they're still trying to hold on to a formula or a template that worked five years ago, I think you have to move with the times. And everybody has a big and a big that can play on both ends of the floor. And I would, I'd like to see Trace Jackson Davis, who potentially and trace jackson davis is still a lot smaller than you know the carl anthony towns the jaron jackson's he had, had a up with last night but still i think that's your future not gi santos the phone lines are officially open at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's eight 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 nine five seven nine five zero seven zero let's kick things off to san jose we begin things austin welcome to the program
2: hey fellas uh happy saturday always like talking to you guys uh Hey Dan, you guys got to remember your partner, there, Evans. My guy, he, he's a guy with youthful exuberance. You know, he's always the most uh, positive, uh, maybe a little over the <laughs> top in terms of his optimism with yeah. Purdy and all this other stuff. Being he's now the the next Montana and all this stuff. So be careful with uh. Oh
0: whoa whoa you know, whoa, you know, whoa, Evans, whoa whoa he 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 Montana yet, but he can he can climb the ladder <laughs> on Sunday. I'm just messing with you, brother. Listen, um,
2: Draymond's back. Draymond has not any different than he's always been he's always been the straw that stirs the drink as they say and uh that's not we, we've always we've seen what we we know what, what Draymond's watching and Warriors and, and it's all the stuff about him changing we don't need him to change we need him to be who he is uh yeah we don't want him punching guys on the court but at the same time if he if he loses any of that any of that uh energy we're going to be in trouble um as far as the Warriors going forward I'm not as optimistic as uh you guys, I think it's a small sample size, of what we've seen recently with their success. But let's let's see it over like seven or eight games, guys, because they're gonna to need to make a run. You guys can do the numbers, but to, to make any kind of dent, even get even to get into the play in and be a seventh or eighth seed possibility, they're gonna to have to make a pretty significant run. And these other teams are, are not exactly bottom I mean they may be bottom seeders, but they all they all got guys that can play. So I, I wanna see I wanna see if they can do it over time. But I'm not sold yet. I still think it's better to build for next year. To me, it's all about next year, seeing Pazimski and uh, those guys. by I me. Mean, by the way, Pozimski man, oh. the way he conducts himself, interviews after the game, man, what a pickup from Dunleavy. Levy. If, if everything else fails, we got a re- really good draft pick in Pazimski, guys. Thanks. That's all I got.
0: Thanks, Austin. Austin. My
1: Hell man. yeah. Hell yeah, Austin. Way to kick things off. That is a strong call. I want to get into all of that. By the way, hang out on the phone lines. We're going to get to you. We got to get to a break. Jimmy in Dublin, we see you and the rest of the callers. Don't go anywhere. But when we come back, let's talk a little Pajemski. Let's talk about what Austin kicked us off with the rest of the NBA and the Western Conference potentially coming back to the Golden State Warriors. But the Warriors need to take care of business. We'll continue the conversation. Warriors this week rolls along with Evan Giddings and Dan Avone right after this. Oh, 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 oh.
0: Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game.
1: Evan Giddings and Dan Avon, Warriors This Week just getting underway. As the Golden State Warriors make it two in a row, they begin a five-game road trip in the right direction with a convincing win over the Memphis Grizzlies. Granted, the Grizzlies were without four of their five starters, but hey, listen, They were a depleted, hapless team the last time the two teams met. Yes, they were. And they took it right to the Golden State Warriors. So the Warriors right now, and as we have talked about, the Warriors right now, if you're looking for pity points, you are barking up the wrong tree when it comes to Golden State. (laughs) They will take wins any way they can get it. They've had the most difficult schedule to date. So, hey, Memphis, Brooklyn, there's not enough patsies on the schedule for the Warriors going forward, and they have no issues with piling up victories right now. I just want to touch on what Austin, our last caller, had to say. And he was... Way to kick it off, Austin, if you're still listening. Those are strong calls that we love, especially to get the show going. Oh, yeah. By the way, hang in there, Jimmy, and Dublin will be out to you in just a matter of moments. But he's right. Like... You cannot if the Warriors, because we've done this show long enough where we've had these levels of optimism, which seems to be the operative word today, where they win a couple of games and we're thinking, oh, okay, and then we'll do a show the following week where they're like, okay, the Warriors are struggling. How do they fix things? We have to, if we're the measuring stick here, do shows. And more importantly, the Warriors now have to start winning. And when I say winning, to Austin's point, you've got to string together eight, nine wins in a row. You've got to win Ten of twelve. You've got to now significantly start winning if this thing is going to turn around, and if you're going to improve your seating, and if you're going to be that team that is going to do any damage in the postseason. Like this idea of one step forward, two steps back, which we have done this song and dance for about two months now, (laughs) has to come to an end. So we have to stop talking about you know the conjecture, prognosticating. Oh, we like the starting lineup. Now, now it's time for them to start compiling wins.
0: Well, and there's not a lot of time left. Like, again, if... Okay, if they lose tonight, they lose against Brooklyn, that would set up a very interesting trade deadline. Because I think that they have the potential to turn the corner, but again, you're right. Like, they got to do it. And if they win their next two games, that's nice, and that would be a four-game win streak, which looks like you're starting to, to find something. But in the grand scheme of things, Dan, you're still one game below 500. So it's not as if you need to play one week. Like... And this is something that I don't know if people have kept a whole lot of track of, but they've played good weeks of basketball before. They might have even played two good weeks of basketball at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. But really, since the 5-1 and start, they've only played, I think, a solid stretch of seven or eight days. Like Their five-game win streak in December was probably the best, not even extended run, but best consistent display of basketball. They were still a sub-500 basketball team in the month of December. Like, over the course of a month, and then this is what we're talking about really right now. As you turn a leaf to, to February, the reason I would be optimistic is because I like what I've seen from the starting lineup. I like what I've seen from Draymond on the defensive end. I love what I've seen from Jonathan Kaminga being a dependable offensive option and a second scorer, maybe even sometimes the number one option offensively when Steph's not on the floor on that side of the court. So that I think has some staying power. But again, they have been since October. I think the record was six and nine in November. It was six and seven in December with a five game win streak. And then the last month in January, they concluded it with a win against Philly. So they were five and seven. Like over 30 days, which is not an insignificant amount of time, but still, that's what you're talking about. If you're going to rattle off 10 of 12, which you probably need to get into a position where you feel solid about your playing chances, that means you got to play good basketball for a month. And that would be my hesitance because we haven't seen it yet. Now, there's been inconsistencies. Draymond's been suspended. You know, Clay Thompson has been up and down. Steph Curry's even had a bit of a shooting slump at times. Um, we've seen Steve Kerr a little reluctant to lean in on the young guys. Like there's been reasons outside of just Draymond Green, they haven't played well, but can they put all of that behind them now in the month of February, which is a, a shorter month, I guess? But can you play 30 days of quality basketball? That is a question they have not answered yet. And of course, we have to watch it play out.
1: 888. Nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's triple eight. Nine five seven nine five seven zero. Hit us up and take part in the show. Let's get out to Dublin, where Jimmy joins the big program. What's
0: up, Jimmy? How are you? Hey, I'm good. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Awesome, man. How are you?
3: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I just want to start off, man. First off, man, I, I think the Warriors are definitely trending in the right direction. I think they do need to make some type of move before the deadline definitely i think they do because they are like i mean like you guys were kind of saying i just want to elaborate on as far as like the size man i mean you guys i mean you know like when they go up against you know like the phillies mm-hmm. you know the denvers you know i mean really anybody like you said everybody pretty much has a big i remember they went up against houston and uh you know the uh, you know the uh, foreign guy houston had shangoon you, know, uh, you know long exactly he was giving them he was giving him pitch you know what i mean and then uh to to touch on draymond i think at draymond's stage in his career right now, I think all this, all of the shenanigans and just the stupidity that he pulls at the wrong time of the game, I don't think that it, you know, evens out. Like, back, you know, years ago when he was defensive player of the year and all NBA defense and all that stuff like that, okay, you can kind of maybe, you know, it, it kind of it equal itself out like like what he brought, but what he brings now isn't equal to the shenanigans he brings, man, and, I, it's, sure. and it's to the point where, I mean, he needs to either get it together or either get a loss because he's hurting the team. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's, you, you could arguably say he he uh you know killed the Warriors out of a championship against Cleveland that year when he got suspended. Hmm. You know what I mean? And just it's, it's just stuff like that, man. But you guys have a great weekend. I'm, I'm gonna continue to listen on the other end.
1: Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, he's right. My man. And there's strong sentiment, obviously supporting what it is that Jimmy believes in that Draymond Green isn't worth it. He cost them a title, uh, but you can also argue as we did in the early part of the show, that Draymond Green and the baggage that you have to take with him is still a vital, vital component to the success of the Golden State Warriors. That he immediately changes the personality, the defense, and he wins. And he's always been a winner. And that's that's Draymond in a nutshell. Yes, he's kicking dudes in the junk. He's hurting your basketball team. But... He wins you games. And I think the Warriors over the offseason, they sat in a big, you know, corporate office room in downtown San Francisco, wherever they do these sort of things. And they thought about this. They're like, all right, do we extend this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, as my mom always said, write down on a piece of paper the plus and minuses as to whether you should do something or not. Write it down, write it down. I think when it came to Draymond, they're like, all right, what is it that he does well? Why is it we would retain him for another four years and pay him 25 per? And let's also write out a column of the things he doesn't do well and how he cost us games and how he could be a detriment going forward. And I think they walked out of that conference room saying, you know what, the positives outweigh the negatives.
0: Yeah, and I think it was also built, not looking at what Draymond is going to be at age 37, and who knows, probably not going to be the best version of himself, but more importantly, how are the Warriors going to be in the next couple of years with Steph still playing at an extremely high level, especially for his age, Clay Thompson eroding a bit, but he's still a serviceable shooter and scorer. What are they going to be with those three guys in the near future in the first couple of years? Now, there's questions about Clay's contract and all the rest, but that contract to me, I think, was, yes, a reward for the contributions to four championships, but also a belief that Draymond can still summon, you know, the the transformational defensive ability that's made him who he is and why he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He can summon that enough to help the Warriors still try and compete for a championship. Now, I don't really put them in championship contention right now. I mean, hell, they're the 12 seed like they're not even in play in contention right now but if the warriors are going to try and be a dangerous dark horse and win a playoff series like they did last year maybe even go further than than they did last year and try and win two playoff series Draymond's got to be a part of that and you know not to rehash history but you kind of had to make a decision of whether it was going to be Poole or Draymond at the end of last season and they chose Draymond whether you think it was right whether you think it was wrong they chose Dray uh, the one thing, though, Dan, which I, I'm curious what do what you think about and maybe what the fans think about it, 888-957-9570 is to this point, has Draymond held up his end of the bargain? Like, he got four years, $100 million with a player option at the end. There was a conversation between him and Joe Laca before the season about what that entailed and the reason why he's receiving $100 million. One reason, yes, is because they want him to be a serviceable player and a big part of winning, but also they want him to be a mentor. They want him to help uplift the young players, which it looks like he's doing now, but they also wanted him to do away with the antics, (laughs) to do away with the actions on the court, getting into it with other players. I think referees are inevitable. Like he's going to yell at a ref. He's probably going to get teed up that you can't control, but what you can control is not putting a guy in a chokehold. is not hitting a guy with a spinning back fist. It's not getting yourself ejected and suspended from games. And that so far, I don't know if he's held up that end of the bargain, even though it looks like we're hoping he can turn the corner in a positive manner.
1: Yeah, he clearly is not. I think those sort of assessments are sort of, maybe at the end of the year, you can look back in its totality and say, okay, was Draymond worth re-upping? I'd say this about Draymond when it comes to being this changed person. At some point, Steve Kerr, Joe Lacob, anybody else that wants to make these declarations or get in front of a mic <laughs> and do one of these press conferences and have this som- somber tone of Draymond just needs he needs help. And it's not about basketball <laughs> right now. He just needs to find himself. Uh. He just, you know, he needs to... Uh, Whatever it is that's bothering him in life, that's what we care. But just at some point, just recognize this is who the dude is, and just say, "Yeah, we hope we get him back." But that's Draymond. Draymond punches dudes, and we've told him at some point you just got to realize he <laughs> deals with rage, as do a lot of people out there. Now, can you control it? Well, you know you'll work at it. But this whole idea of this dramatic—he's going to be a change man. No, he's not. Just go back to that Laker game, and he was already swinging. He, he, there's a good chance that his season was done. If it was anybody uh. else, and I think referee, <laughs> you were at that game. As a ref, Ev, I think there's a couple of things. Do I want to be that guy that's going to take Draymond out? I certainly, you know, I think the video would support it if I want to give him another rejection here or and or a suspension. Yeah. But it certainly, you know, it warranted. But I think as a referee, you're like, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, I don't want to deal with the drama. And actually, I think it sort of benefits Draymond because a lot of refs just want to look the other way.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's. I don't think he's been teed up yet. He came dangerously close, and even during it was weird because during the moment, I actually I didn't catch it. I saw it on the replay, uh, just because I, I pulled up a monitor next to the media spot I'm at. So I saw it on the replay and. And, of course, I'm getting text messages from my friends who were Lakers fans, like, how do the refs not call that? <laughs> how do you not review it? Um, or, well, I, I guess they, they did call it because it was to send AD to the line at the end of regulation. But, like, how do you not call a, a flagrant, I guess, was their question. And I'm just thinking, it man. It wasn't hey, even reviewed. It was not reviewed. Me. Vanderbilt wanted it reviewed, and Draymond was taunting him by waving the hand in front of him, saying, yeah, go, go ahead, review that, review that. But, no, I mean, that's, look, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I mean... Know. It wasn't like he was trying to hit him in the face, it was just an inadvertent thing and I think that's that's my my largest concern about those types of situations is I, I don't think that it's like Draymond isn't going out there and actively saying I'm going to put someone in a four-finger chokehold like he did to Gobert. But when you're playing, especially down the stretch of the season and the Warriors are going to be vying and battling for playoff position and from the looks of it based on the amount of clutch games and tight games they've been in, they're going to be in some tight, you know, Potentially hostile on the road, um, but just, you know, blood pressuring situations. How does Draymond respond over time to a litany of those spots? That would be, my, I guess, my biggest concern. Like, I don't think he's going out there trying to do these things, but a lot of them have happened inadvertently. And right now, Draymond Green will not get the benefit of the doubt if that, for example, was reviewed and turned into a flagrant. Like, if the, if the league office gets another chance to put this guy away and he gives it to them, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, whether he meant it to do it or not, he's gonna get hit. And so that's the line that Draymond has to walk even more carefully is, well, I didn't, like, I wasn't trying to hit him. I know you weren't Draymond, but we got too much evidence saying that you might have. And I'm inclined to believe that this guy is doing everything in his power to keep himself and, and that rage on the court kind of contained and harnessed in a positive fashion. But again, like, if a referee whistles him, I don't think anyone's going to sit up here, you and I, on this program or any other on five seven, The Game and say, oh, well, that shouldn't have happened. We haven't seen that before. Like, he's going to get hit. And that would be my biggest concern.
1: The thing is, for someone like Draymond, I don't deal with this, but a lot of people do is that you can sit in a podcast or after the fact and talk about how you're getting therapy, talking about how you want to change as a person. But when you get caught up in the moment and bullets are flying and it's basketball and it's late in the contest and someone's getting under your skin, whether it's Vanderbilt or whoever, replace the name of whatever team Draymond will find somebody to incentivize, to incentivize Draymond's play. And, you know that's that's the true test. It's not about it's not about speaking in a podcast. It's not about talking to the media about how what it is I need to change. It's like when you're in that mo in the foxhole and we're live, and emotions are running. It's how do you handle yourself? And I think Draymond is he is far far away from being a guy that can go into a space when it's in that sort of pressure cooker and find some level of tranquility. He's still the same cat, and that's not necessarily a bad thing.
0: No, not necessarily, but here's what he has done. So we talked about all the things we might have questions about, and is he still the same guy? Is he not? Is he held up his end of the bargain? Has he not? All of those things might seem a little critical, I think they're fair. But here's what he has done in the last six games, because I teased this, the type of math that you're seeing both in the box score as well as matching the eye test with Draymond. So here's what he's done. In six games. The Warriors are 2-1 since he started. They're 3-3 since he's come back. But he's shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 73 from the line. All those are pretty solid numbers. But his most impactful area has been on his teammates. And Steve Kerr has spoken to this, specifically with Kaminga as well as Draymond. But, or pardon me, and Wiggins. But Draymond, when he's on the floor... Three of the Warriors, over the last six games since he's come back, three of the four best two-man lineups for the Golden State Warriors involve Draymond Green, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Draymond with Wiggins, they're a 25.2 net rating in the positive direction. With Jonathan Kaminga, they're plus 22.1, Draymond and J.K. Draymond and Curry, the Warriors are plus 18.1 in terms of net rating in their last six games. So clearly he's provided a positive impact to that starting lineup, but three players that are arguably the most important as far as how far this Warriors team team can go, that being J.K., Wiggins, and of course Steph. The other area that would match the eye test of what you're seeing out on the court, the Warriors are playing faster with Draymond Green in the game. And with the starting five of Clay, Curry, Dre, Wiggins, Kaminga, their pace is over seven possessions more than the average right now for the whole season. It's at 106.9 with Clay in. With P- with Pajenski, who also likes to play fast, it's over 100. So with Draymond in the game and in the flow of this offense, they are playing faster, they're playing more efficient, and they're playing better defensively. And that's why we've seen, I think, this starting five stabilize the rest of the team, even when the bench doesn't have it on given nights. Over the last six games... Yes, they're 3-3, and but since Draymond's entered the starting lineup, there's a clear-cut difference in how this basketball team is playing. Now it's about replicating that, getting wins tonight against Atlanta, beating a team like Brooklyn on Monday, and then facing an upstart and solid Indiana team next week. How can they continue this consistency? I would say Draymond's been a benefit from that perspective as well because he's extracted the best out of that starting five.
1: Well, he's he's their second-best player, which is why you can't lose him. You are not a good basketball team without Draymond Green. And I think he's just reminding everybody of just how important he is and why he was always the centerpiece when you won titles. Draymond Green is a winner. He's a winner certainly when it comes to the way the Warriors do things, and you need him. And it is the cause and effect with his return, and suddenly the defense is better, suddenly you can play Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins. It's not coincidental. It's because of the return of one Draymond Green. All right, before we get to a break, I do want to talk about the starting line. I had issues. I think Trace Jackson Davis uh, should leapfrog Guy Santos. I know they're different style of players and that with Dario out... You she mean would- in, the,
0: in, the, in the rotation? In the rotation, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry.
1: In the rotation. I want to see Trace Jackson Davis get into the rotation uh, in front of Guy Santos.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I see Guy Santos and I see Lester Quinonez, good players, right? They... You know, young players who are scrappy and you know athletic and can run, but it reminds me of <laughs> you, probably you know where I'm going with it. That's Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome okay. version 2023. And I think you got to invest in your future, and the future is Trace Jackson Davis. Much like that of a year ago, your future was not Anthony Lamb or Ty Jerome. It was you know Jonathan Gugman and Moses Moody. However. I don't want to go backwards. I do want to get into the starting lineup, mm-hmm. and I don't want to, I, on a show that should have a level of optimism. I, I think we've addressed that, and there is I, I for one, even when in the darkest days, feel that the Warriors' best days were ahead of him. I still have a level of faith with this team, but I do want to go here because we've mentioned him on a couple of occasions, sort of glossed over the name of one, Clay Thompson. I'll say this, Evan, this isn't a hot take, and I'm not trying to get anybody out of bed with their hair on fire. I do want to see him replaced in the starting lineup. And uh, for a couple of reasons. I think it's time that, that Brandon Pajemski We can get into his game, and I know it was his best game with a 14 assist and no turnovers, by the way. But more than anything else, it's because the Warriors, to me, that when you go Draymond and the Splash Brothers, you are an old basketball team you can still be good but there has to be a level of balance like a seesaw and that balance comes from the younger players what you get from Pajemski aside from the smarts and the fact that he's an old soul and looks as though he's been playing this sport for the last 15 years not the last two months for the first time in his life but he's young and he is energetic And he is a pest. And he gets in passing lanes. He crashes on every board. He is looking to disrupt. He beats everybody down the floor. That energy is infectious. That's how you win in the NBA. It's with youth. The Warriors, and Klay Thompson is the poster child for this, are an old basketball team. Now, that's not a detriment. It's not a death sentence. You can still win, but there has to be a recognition and a level and a presence of youth. And I think that with Pajenski in that starting lineup, it sets the tone because the one thing that we've seen is that the Warriors don't start games well, including last night, the five turnovers in one quarter. The Warriors are playing from behind and it's not coincidental that the teams or the rotations or the players that are catching, that are catching the opposing teams and surpassing them are the backups, are the second unit. That starting five, now granted, that starting five, especially when you were going Dario Saric, Kevon Looney, and Andrew Wiggins, wasn't going to beat anybody. But I think it's time. Just to get back to my point, I would like to see Brandon Pajemski as a starter and putting Clay Thompson. This isn't Clay Thompson, let's get rid of him. Or if you want to trade him, listen, that's to the front office. If you want to move off of his, you know, you're going to move off of his $43 million. But I do think that you need to get younger, and relegating him to a role player is not the worst thing of having a guy coming off the bench who can shoot you back into basketball games is a good weapon to have.
0: That's interesting, and I do want to know what people think about that on the other side. 888 9570 We'll be taking your calls. Do you think Clay Thompson is better served as a sixth man? I would lean no for right now, and I'll reveal that on the other side because I think there's something that we're overlooking here. Specifically about the starting lineup, but also about the closing lineup, which is something we saw last night very a bit and where I think Pajemski fits into all of that. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you on the other side. Oh, uh, it's that.
1: a tease by one Evan Giddings. All right. I think it's time for Pajemski to start. More importantly, I think Clay Thompson is an older player that is now relegated to a role. Your thoughts, 8889579570. Evan Giddings will give us his thoughts on Clay Thompson moving to the bench. For that answer, you don't want to go anywhere. We continue with Warriors this week. Evan Giddings and Dan Avon will have much more after this.